Hi friends, I'm Emily Kurt and you're listening to the Abundantly Podcast. We pray these conversations are graciously seasoned, that this can be a true living room space where we can come together and process what we are reading in the word, theology, womanhood, and what living fully in Christ looks like in our daily lives. I cannot wait to share today's conversation with you. The music is playing, the coffee is brewing, and the candles are lit. So come on in, friend. Let's get started. Welcome to week three of the Becoming Elizabeth Elliot Book Club. Leah and I are here, and we have so much to cover. There is so much truth, so many things to discuss, and so buckle up. Um, This is the episode for chapters. We're going to just be discussing chapters 10 through 14. You don't have to have read it already to listen to this episode, but if you are wanting to wait until you've read, when you catch up to chapter 14, meet us here. So um, I just want to say that I found this really cool timeline of Elizabeth Elliot's life this week. And so I'm just going to put that in the show notes for all of our visual gals that would find it super helpful to see pictures in a timeline format. And I also just want to say hello to Leah, and we are going to split the conversation tonight. And so Leah, take it away. Let us know. I was just looking over your notes. I was like, oh, she's so good. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm still enjoying the book. This is probably my favorite section that we've read so far. Mm -hmm. Um, It's looking like a five-star read. We'll see. We're not at the end yet, but it's still looking like a five-star read. Um, but before we get into the discussion, I just wanted to start us with a little icebreaker. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in this week's reading, we're told that the cost of rent for Jim Elliott and Elizabeth's brother was $40 a month. And we're told that Elizabeth Elliott paid $17 a month while living in New York. And I was reading like, man, I wish. But then you have to think it's the 1950s. Right. So with the help, some help from my friend, Mr. Google. <laughs> I looked up on um, what these prices would equal today. And so $40 in the 1950s um, equals $491 in today's money. And then $17 in the 1950s um, equals $208. So it's still lower than what A is because I Googled and it says the average American renter pays $1,300 a month for rent. <laughs> But I just I just thought that was interesting. So that's our icebreaker for this week. But um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's dive into the discussion because there's so much good stuff to discuss this week. So um, in the beginning of chapter ten, we see Betty dealing with that common feeling of things mellowing out after a big life moment like college, graduation, your wedding day, um, after becoming a new mom. And undergrad can be, I know you went to um, undergrad too, Emily. Undergrad can just be filled with constant fellowship and just excitement. But then many times after that fast-paced experience, we start to deal with the emotions of just everyday regular life. So I love this excerpt from the book. I'm going to read it for us. Um, The truth is that none of us knows the will of God for his life. I say for his life, for the promise is as thou goest step by step, I will open, open up the way before thee. He gives us enough light for today, enough strength for one day at a time, and if manna, our daily bread. Mm -hmm. And then she went on to describe the mundane, unremarkable multitude of steps in the long journey of the children of Israel as they headed toward the promised land. 
The stages of their journey, Elizabeth Elliot said the stages of their journey was dull and eventless, as most of them were, were each a necessary part of movement toward the fulfillment of the promise. So yeah. oh, that's so good. So I just have a few questions to pull from this. Um, one is what beauty, Emily, are you currently seeing in the mundane things in your current life stage? Mm-hmm. And how do you keep a heart of thankfulness for where God has you? So good. Such a good question. I love the phrase there at the end. I had read it three times before this conversation, but hearing you say it out loud, a necessary part of the movement toward the fulfillment of the promise. And I would say something that's keeping me grateful in mundane things is really looking to God and asking him and looking to the word and looking to friends that are also living on mission and asking like, what really is big and small things for the Lord? Like, where did these labels come from? And just really finding a lot of peace in doing the next right thing, as Elizabeth talks about. Um, I found it really inspiring on page 67 when the same same quote that you, same page you pulled that quote from, and thinking about how we are so worried about like the big, massive will of God, perfect plan for our life. And I believe that he is sovereign over those things. And I believe that he has really good plans for us, but I think we overcomplicate it so much that we miss that part of his will for us is daily bread. And so whether that's fueling your soul every morning with the word of God, whether that is like another spiritual discipline, I think we miss so much goodness of what he has provided for us in everyday normal life because we actually are trying to like reinvent the wheel and do something huge for God or um, something like that. When he, you know, I, I pray when I do the dishes, I find that that is the time when I am the most unplugged from the rest of the world. Um, There's just so many ways to, to find daily bread and to pour out your life in the everyday. Mm, yeah, I touched on this a little bit um, in our intro episode, but um, I currently am just in the stage of being faithful as a mom, as a wife. And I just realized that in the daily task, like feeding my daughter, making sure she takes her naps, doing laundry, reading Brown Bear, Brown Bear for the <laughs> hundred time by the end of the day. You know, those are just the mundane things, but that's where the Lord has me. And I think we have to find the beauty. Like you said, God is sovereign. So it's like, mm-hmm. if God has me in this place, like he's sovereign over this. He wants me to learn something from this. He wants to sanctify me in this. And just remembering that God has placed me here in these mundane mm-hmm. things keeps my keeps my heart thankful because it's I- like. Like grumble, it's almost grumbling in a way to be like, oh, I just wish I was doing this. I wish I can't wait till my daughter's a teenager and I don't have to read Brown Bear, Brown Bear every day, you know? So it just keeps me knowing it's where he has me. He's sovereign over that. Yeah. I love this quote about Elizabeth in our reading this week. And it said she could endure because she cast all her anxieties on God. She gave up the most enormous hopes of her life in the smallest details of her schedule to him. And Leah, you and I have so many big dreams, quote unquote, in the world's eyes. And we also spend our days 
working at a laptop, creatively making content, doing laundry, doing dishes, keeping the home, making meal plans, going to church, like inviting people over for dinner and planning keynote speaking. Like there's so many things in our life. And I think just we see so beautifully in Elizabeth's life. It's not that one is worth more than the other, but that she submitted it all to him. Mm, amen. That's so good. That's that's good segue into the next question. So in this week's reading, we witnessed Jim and Elizabeth Elliot really wrestling with the possibility of being together and submitting it wholeheartedly to the Lord. Um, their patience and persistence in prayer is just very admirable. From their journal entries, it's obvious that they want to be together. <laughs> like they're, they're, they want each it's other. It's not a secret. <laughs> yeah, it's really obvious. It, it's, it's beautiful, though, seeing their journal entries. Um, so, yeah, it was apparent their love was deep, but it was clear that they wanted whatever God's will was for their lives and not their own. Mm-hmm. So, Emily, what stuck out to you the most about their love story and how has your faith been encouraged to trust God for your future and endure in waiting? Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to really represent the cynic in this answer. But honestly, I was just really mad at Jim this whole time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she warned us that this would happen. I think, man, Elizabeth waited five years for him. I waited uh, 14, 15 months before my boyfriend, now husband, proposed. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think I would have waited five years. I think I would have given up. I think I would have said, you know what? Like, if we are going to follow God's perfect plan for marriage, this is, like, too long to wait. What are you doing? <laughs> So I would say to have such clarity about what you want in the mission that you know God has you on is incredibly beautiful, though, Um, because regardless of like frustrating things that came about, like they they just kept bringing it to the Lord. And you can also see them bringing it before the people in their life, however imperfectly. Um, I found it really inspirational and humanizing all the things to think about how they came together after all their different upbringing styles um and just the fact that like um elizabeth came from more of a polished formal home setting and jim came more from a loud chaotic even though they were both christian families and i think so much of so many of us sorry can relate to that as as married couples and we constantly untangle wait how did your family do that (laughs) yeah no so yeah i agree with you i think the five years was a long time like it always blows my mind that they waited that long. Um, but then I but then I, I like history, so I always like to think about the context of the time period. There was no FaceTime or Instagram to share like your every life update. No one could just slide in your DMs whenever they felt like it. It's like, oh, how how's it going? They were like writing letters to each other. So I always think they about that. They weren't physically together. Yeah. I don't know what the percentage exactly would be, but they definitely were distanced for a bulk of that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so they mostly communicate it in like letters. Um, but, you know, it's such, it's such a long time to wait. But like we said, like it just shows like they were just so devoted to trust God for whatever his plan was um, for their relationship. And so my faith is always just encouraged when you hear testimonies like this, because you can look and see that waiting is not always 
enjoyable, but it prepares you for what is ahead. And then I always just think about, I mentioned this in the last episode, but like we have passion and purity now and we wouldn't have that book if she didn't wait five years. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's some good that came out of it. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And so um, the next thing I want to cover is we cannot leave this week's reading without the inspiring story of the missionary Catherine Morgan. I just, oh man, I loved reading about just her testimony, all that she went through. Um, she was a lifelong friend to Elizabeth Elliot, and she empathized with her in great afflictions, like losing her her husband because she lost her husband as well. Mm. And so, um, my question on that is, what details about Catherine's story inspired you? Because I felt like I was watching a movie, reading about the things that she went through. Like I was like, wow, that really happened. Um, so yeah, what details about her story inspired you? And do you have friends like this who have empathized with you and your afflictions and encouraged you? Mm-hmm. And lastly, last week we paid tribute to those um older godly women who shaped us. But this week, let's let's shout out some of our, our friends, some of our younger sisters that have been a good example to us. I am so grateful for this question, and it's also just such a gift to be interviewed. It's so fun. Um <laughs> I wrote in the margins as we were reading about their friendship unfolding in this little snapshot. uh, I said, do we challenge our friends like this? I think so often we naturally just out of love want them to have comfort and ease and just all the best things. When ultimately, although that's not a bad thing, we should really be the strongest advocates for their spiritual growth. Elizabeth wrote about her above all, not about Catherine, but about another friend in this section. Above all, she herself was the message. And that's what I felt like with reading about Catherine herself was the way we carry ourselves deeply matters and is is saying a message to the watching world. I would say a friend that has been this in my life that really just sticks out is my friend Natalie from college. She walked with me when I was in undergrad and experiencing just really heavy depression. And she came and she met me in my pain, but also in a way that wasn't just giving me this like permission slip to just sit in it forever. She is incredibly talented, gifted, whatever you want to say, at asking really thoughtful, challenging questions in a loving way. And I just want to grow in that so much because I either kind of say, oh, you know, it's okay, or my tough love comes on a little too strong. And the way she was able to meet me where I am, but also push me to Christ and to truth was just truly a gift. Mm, I love that. Yeah. So this section made me think about Romans 8, 28, because you saw that like even all the hard stuff that Catherine went through that God used that to the good to encourage Elizabeth Elliot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I loved, I love that connection there. But as far as a friend of mine, who's been a huge encouragement to me, um, I instantly thought of my friend Melody, um, I call her my big sister in the Lord. She just ever since my husband and I started going to my church, her family just opened us into their home. Like we would go there every week for like dinner and devotions. They would just pray with us and, you know, they walk through some deep, deep trials with us. But I, I love her so much because 
um, she's encouraging and motivating. But like you said, like if I have sin issues, if I'm kind of mm-hmm. seeing something distorted and not looking to Christ, yeah. right they're like, okay, Leah, let's go to the <laughs> word. Like, what does the Bible have to say about that? Or I love you sister, but you know, let's look at it in a biblical point of view. And she's not scared to call me out on that. And I think we need those friends in the Lord too, that we can have a good time with and, and love them and encourage them, but admonish and rebuke them too, because the scriptures even speak to that. So I instantly thought of Melody because she's just so faithful in that. And, and I'm grateful. I've seen my faith. Like I didn't realize it like in the moment, but now that we've been friends for like five years, I can see my faith has grown from our friendship and that constant encouragement and admonishment. Absolutely. That is so beautiful. I hope that as we share these little personal anecdotes that people are just so inspired of how this can look like with flesh on and how this can look in 2022, 2023. Um, As we were reading, I didn't really have a question for this, but as we were reading this week, I was really challenged how Ellen described the idea by Jonathan Edwards, the difference between natural gratitude and supernatural gratitude. Natural gratitude would be the things that are comfortable, beautiful, easy to thank God for. And obviously supernatural gratitude would be the things that we need God's strength to even be grateful for because it's so hard or edifying or sanctifying or anything like that. And so I've just been shifting my gratitude list over the last couple of days and just want to encourage you guys to keep thanking God for it all. Even the natural things, there's nothing wrong with asking and thanking the Lord for the things that are obviously beautiful and vibrant in our lives, but press in and see where he would have you be supernaturally grateful And I think that truly just shows such good and otherworldly fruit to those that are watching our lives. Mm. So we read a lot about Jim again this through this section, and we got to read just excerpts of his heart and his prayers. He had a lot of time to read and reflect, whether it was in schooling or his first few years in the States. And it says that the paper trail thins more as they enter later on in life on the actual mission field. This was mentioned as kind of having reflective seasons where we have a lot of time to write, think through ideas versus an action season where we are in the throes of it. And so although they can certainly overlap, how does this free you up as a creative woman, as a mom, just having experienced both of those? Yeah. So this kind of makes me think about, um, my dad's a softball coach. He was a coach my entire um, childhood. So I kind of thought of it as like, practice and then you have the game and so it's like and that reflect those reflective seasons are kind of like practice and then when it's time for action it's it's time to like you know play ball and so I really I really thought about that and it just frees me to just like we talk about this all the time just do the work that the Lord has called me to do I love the quote that said, when his work is right in front of you, you do it. And really Mm -hmm. just expounding on what we were talking about earlier with the will of God and daily bread. um, I believe that you might know the vision for the next 30 years, 
but you also might not. And that doesn't mean that your work doesn't matter. And I think when we look to the word, his will, as far as thankfulness and discipleship and baptizing the nations, all of those things are really clear and we can get to work at that wherever we are. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Something I noticed so much was how the threads of their story truly foreshadow what ends up happening in the heartbreaking reality of Jim Elliott's early death. It says that Jim Elliott was heavily influenced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who <laughs> I'm obsessed with, and Dietrich was also killed for his faith. Mm. One thing I noticed was whenever Betty would have an overwhelming thought or expression or going through one of those really hard waiting moments, she would write or say out loud, Lord, help. What are some ways that we can depend on the Lord hour by hour? Mm. Yeah, I would say some ways are through prayer and like honest, like deep, pouring your heart out to the Lord prayer. Um, meditating on the word to strengthen our faith, faith in community. Um, those all strengthen our faith. And I really learned that the Lord helps us through providing the saints to serve us practically and spiritually mm -hmm. um, by just sharing how they overcame and then just being there in like hard moments. Um, I just think back to um, around this time last year, I went through like an extremely tough time in my life and I just text a friend and was saying like I think I'm having like the, the worst um like week of my life mm -hmm. and she didn't even ask like the details she just showed up to my house like she's like do you need me to do anything I had a target order that I was just too weary to pick up and I was like can you get my target order and just bring it to me and so she brought me my target order she um, cleaned my entire kitchen for me. She's like, you know, you just watch your daughter relax. I'll clean your entire kitchen. And she brought me Starbucks that I did not ask for, <laughs> my favorite drink. And just like those small, like the Lord, he helps us in providing people. And I don't know about you, but like I'm the kind of person like I can be stubborn and struggle with asking for help. Mm -hmm. So like even with the Lord, like, oh, Lord, mm -hmm. I'm just going through a hard time. And, it, and, and like, you know, not thinking to pray first and read the word or to ask people because we need to ask people to help us when we're going through those hard things. And so the Lord just really um, used that moment to show me to be vulnerable to him, to reach out, to read the word and med like really meditate on it. I really think in those moments when we need help, like scripture comes alive to us like ever before. Because I know like everyone has like life verses and we're like, oh, this is what I cling to. But like when we really go through, like we really cling, it's like, oh, wow, like this is this is real. Like um, one verse I really like is count it all joy when you face various trials. Because <laughs> I'm like, count it all joy when I face trials? No way. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, I really, the Lord has really helped me in those moments with his word and just using the body of Christ. That's so beautiful. I love all of that. I I echo what you said about prayer specifically. Um, for those of you that don't know, my mom was diagnosed with cancer this summer and I have found the community aspect of what you said in prayer so telling, specifically when you're going through a crisis. Prayer that isn't like flashy, 
that's not pretty, that's honest and simple and consistent. I mentioned earlier that I try to match prayer with chores. And so whatever it is that you do every single day, just try adding prayer into that like mindless task or walk around the block or commute to work because there is something about the rhythm of that that is so good for our souls, so good for our hearts. I've also been praying as I run. And I find mm-hmm. that if I pray when I run, I have no energy to pray fake words. <laughs> I have only the energy to pray what is truly in my heart and to pray with the full acknowledgement that I do not have it within me on my own. Like I cannot count it all joy on my own strength right now, but I get to lean on the Lord and also just asking for help, whether that is from my husband or from the Lord yesterday I tried to do the day on my own I woke up stressed as soon as I woke up I skipped my quiet time and I just went straight to work and my work was not efficient all day and I and I don't say that to be like you know it's this magic step and you feel amazing after you do it but I have just found that when we tithe time to the Lord he multiplies the rest of our minutes and I think about specifically as women, when I have a day like yesterday versus a day like today, when I set the kingdom first, the tone of our entire home is different. Mm. So we are not just inconveniencing ourselves or hurting ourselves, but the way in which I first meet with God and ask for help means that every other interaction that day is going to be completely different. Mm. So this was definitely a time where we saw the paradox of Jim's beliefs from more of a, I'm never going to get married. I want to be just like Paul to also seeing this kind of switch where he's like, I am going to live life to the fullest. And we actually find both ideas in scripture. And so this is something really interesting to think about. Jim Elliott writes, wherever you are, be all there. Live life to the hilt, every situation you believe to be the will of God. Do you struggle to be fully present in your life to believe this part of God's plan to also have sacrifice and joy in one hand? And what are some things that help you be all there? Yeah, so um, I think just living heavenly minded like our, our hope is in heaven. That's what keeps me going. And when you live with that in the forefront of your mind, it helps you to be present now and to be faithful because um, we have so much to look forward to, but we have so much work to also do here and now. I think that's the perfect way to put it. We have so much <laughs> to look forward to, but we have so much work to do. Mm, that's good. What I love about living fully, which is obviously something I'm passionate about with a podcast named Abundantly, is that because it is rooted in eternity and in our inheritance that is secure in heaven with Christ, no earthly circumstance can shake it. When we are aware of our eternal inheritance, we want to throw ourselves wholeheartedly into where God has placed us because we see the value of our days, not because of us, but because Christ is working in and through us. And we see that in our growth. Mm. We hear so much about him and his plan over the grand picture of our lives that we can take obedience seriously and ourselves 
less seriously. Something I love about kind of seeing this shift in Jim's life is like, you just see this picture of a fun guy. And I don't know where we got this idea that Christians have to be somber human beings all the time, but we should be the most joyful, fun people on the planet. We can obey God and enjoy life at the same time because our perspective is so unlike the world's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that. I even I think in the chapters, like when he was starting to think about um, like marriage, like, oh, what does that like include? Does that mean like babies and all that kind right. of stuff? Like, I was just so cool to see his mind like completely change and just know that like he could the Lord, he could be faithful to the Lord and, and do both. So I think when I read, you can either read that story and get stuck in the fact that he's a paradox and he is a flawed human and he didn't know exactly what God was doing, or you can see someone who was willing to screw up and like make a mistake if that meant he was moving forward. I think we get so, so lost in the weeds of this will of God <laughs> that is so like arbitrary. <laughs> And the truth is that we are going to make mistakes. We Mm -hmm. are going to mess up. And so I just kind of want to send us out with this quote from page 78. And with this question for me, would we rather live our lives fully to the best of our ability and trust his good work in us along the way that he will finish what he starts? Or would we rather sit on the sidelines because we were scared to obey? Here's the quote. The key fact and the great transferable truth that comes from these sometimes maddening people is this. Betty and Jim were determined to obey God's leading as they discerned it, whatever the cost. So friends, go make a move, obey, enjoy life, obey God. You can do the same. You can do it all at the same time. This next week, before you hit play on the next episode, please read chapters 15 through 19. We cannot wait to dig into the next season of Elizabeth.